a lot of people aren't naturally, you know, get, getting super pumped about sitting inside of an Excel, an Excel spreadsheet. Uh, so what I would tell them is that the budget isn't there to restrict them. It is there to give them freedom. And I want them to see the budget as their friend and to realize that once you have a plan for your money, it doesn't have to control you anymore. You get to call the shot. And so I want people to see budgeting as an ally here and as a tool they're going to use uh, for the rest of their life to get them through these steps so that they can build wealth and be outweighed. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Your host, Nate and Brian, hanging out with you today, and we are looking forward to a really good episode, this time featuring none other than George Camel, and we are talking about stop wasting that money that you're making. Now, before you all get bored and figure out that this is going to be a budgeting podcast, there is so much more involved in it than just learning how to budget, and that's not even the first thing that we're going to be talking about today. But before we get into the details of that, we're going to look at introducing the topic for you, and we're going to start with our quote, Brian. You must gain control over your money, or the lack of it will forever control you. Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey, a well-known name in the industry of finances, and that's actually who our guest works for, George Camel. He works for the Ramsey Solutions uh, business, and he has so much experience in all that, not only just in promoting what they do, but also experientially. And we're really excited to hear about what he has to bring to us today. Yeah. He's the host of, of the entree leadership podcast on the Ramsey network. So Dave Ramsey's like business podcast. I think Dave's probably the biggest guest on there, but they got guests like Mark Cuban and just uh, really high level guests. We gotta, we gotta talk to George about maybe getting some of them over here. <laughs> we'll have to bring that up. <laughs> yeah. But the reason we wanted to do this podcast, I mean, obviously it's not uh, specific to the trade services, right? And we're not going to be talking about HVAC, plumbing, or electrical today. Uh, but we are going to be talking about something that does affect every single person that works in that industry, and that is money. And in this case, we're not necessarily talking about the customer's money or revenue or sales. We're talking about your own money. And I think that should be enough for you to just tune in and lean in a little bit harder on this podcast because what we all want to do at the end of this podcast is figure out a way to make more money. And the way to the place to start there is to stop wasting the money that you're already making. Right? So if, if you have a, you know, a liter of water and you're ready to drink that and you keep pouring out a little bit, every time you take a drink, you no longer have a liter. You're not going to get the full effect of all that water into your body because you keep wasting it. And that's what we find to be the case with so many of us is that, you know, we bring home that check every week, you know, that those dollars every week, put that in the bank. And yet somehow at the end of the next week, some of it, it's gone and we don't know where it went. And therein lies the problem. Couldn't help but notice you went with a liter of water, not a gallon or a half gallon. 
You know me. I love the metric system. Very Canadian of you. <laughs> uh, you don't want a large Farva. You want a liter of cola, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I I always think about the fact that I went through the Dave Ramsey, Dave Ramsey's um, Financial Peace University. Sorry, back in like 2011, I believe I went through it, and I was looking back on my life and spending habits up to that point, like any job I ever had, even when I made $7 an hour as a plumbing apprentice back in, I don't know, 96 or whatever, what a raise I could have had had I had some financial discipline and didn't spend it as fast as it came in. And we had Stephen Murphy, one of our plumbers, one of our local plumbers here on not too long ago, the organization podcast, and he just went off for 10, 15 minutes about exactly what Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University course did for him and his wife. They, so many things about how they, they have money saved for an emergency. They're on their way to paying off their house. They have no, I mean, I think the guy has no debt except his mortgage now, which, I mean, before that he was upside down in many ways. He's a, a huge fan and what made us think this should, this would be a very good podcast episode to do. So, I don't know, as we always drove around in my service truck before I came out of a truck and I felt like whatever audio book author I was listening to or a lot of time I did listen to Dave Ramsey in my truck, but whatever podcast, audio book, what have you that I was listening to, always kind of felt like they were in my passenger seat uh, instructing me as I drove. And it was always it's kind of weird now to talk to some of these people like Tom Hopkins or, or whomever and that it's almost strange that they don't know me, <laughs> especially like somebody I've been listening to in my, in my headphone or in my truck stereo for a couple decades now. And yeah, we really know you had 16 Wendy's wrappers in your passenger seat, bro. Nobody was sitting there. <laughs> yeah, there was no room. <laughs> frosty cups, just empty frosty cups as far as the eye can see. Yeah. It was always, uh, it's always weird now to talk to these guys and, and like, Oh yeah, we've never actually had a conversation because I have, listen to these guys speak in my work truck for so many years. But what I want to do, at least uh, our plan for this podcast, is to bring people on, put people in your passenger seat with you that are feeding feeding you in some way, shape, or form. Like, So I only wanted to listen to people who made me feel like I was learning something or getting a little bit better. So the idea is technician here and there, introduce you know, certainly the people who work here to some of their coworkers and then bring in somebody like George Camel who can who can help everybody get a little bit better with their finances. Um, not too many people that are so disciplined with their personal finances that we can't improve in how we use them, how we how we save, how we invest, how we keep from wasting. As Dave's Dave Ramsey's always Dave Ramsey always says if you can live like no one else, eventually you will live like no one else. That's mm-hmm. a matter of saving and investing instead of pouring your money out on whatever whim and wish you have. It's a very childlike uh, mindset to just see something, want it, spend your money on it, especially if you're talking about credit. And George Camel is very big on kind of how evil the credit card industry is when it comes to convincing people that it's okay and getting them locked in and showing them things like credit card rewards and 
low interest and cash back and all these things that are literally a bear trap. I mean, you're, you're, you're choosing to jog through a minefield when there's a, when there's a perfectly paved road 10 feet away by using credit cards. Um, and then we'll, we'll, uh, I don't know how much we'll go into that, probably more of the saving and investing than the credit card side, but certainly in a, in a near future episode, we'll do a, uh, credit card podcast. Yeah, I think that would be really good, Brian. And the question that we have for you as you're listening to this podcast is, you know, when is the last time that you actually stopped and thought about your finances? And I don't mean about getting a raise or making more money. I, I mean about the other side of it. When's the last time that you sat down and thought about all the money that I do make, where exactly is it going? And is it being used for all the purposes that I want it to be used? I'm sure many of you have heard the old uh, illustrations about, you know, how a $5 cup of coffee a day adds up to being $25 a week, adds up to being $100 a month, adds up to $1,200 a year. And you get to the end of the year and you think, if somebody offered you, hey, Brian, would you like to spend $1,200 on coffee this year? What's your answer? I don't drink coffee, but I got a lot of things that I'm going to say yes to, buddy. <laughs> I, always, I always hate those uh <laughs> a lot of things that are not coffee, right? You'd rather use that $1,200 for something else. Yeah, yeah. Nice craft beer, maybe. <laughs> an IPA. I'm probably over the 1200 mark, to be honest. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for blowing I, up that illustration. As Appreciate I sit it. here in the studio in in Under Armour sweatpants, uh, brown flip-flops, and a blue Michigan Wolverines t-shirt, uh, I came in this morning specifically to record podcast on my way to vacation in uh, Ocean City where I will be spending probably $1,200 on IPAs <laughs> the rest of this week with a bunch of buddies and, and their uh, families. Right. But the point of that is that you know that that money is going there, right? And I, I think the idea behind a lot of these things is that people don't know where their money's going or they don't conceptually think about it. You know, you just use those those dollars, those spare change in your truck or that credit card or whatever, and you use it. And at the end of the month, you never go back and actually think about, well, shoot, we just spent $300 on eating out this month when we could have spent half of that. Like, did that need to happen? And it's it, listen, Ramsey and the solutions and all those things, they're not about not having fun. It's actually the opposite. It's planning financial freedom so that you know that you can go do these things. So you know that you can spend the money on those, uh, whatever it is that you want to buy. And you can feel good about it at the time. And you don't have that guilt trip of just, why am I doing this? And where's this money going? And regardless of whether you're at the top of the income level or the bottom of the income level, to just squander your hard-earned money, it feels like I work too hard to get the money I have, no matter how much it is. And... I don't know any family, including my own, who regrets saying, hey, Sunday evening, we're going out to eat. That's what we're going to do Sunday sure, evening. Right. And we go out and have a nice dinner as a family or with another family or what have you. What tends to get people, and, and I'm talking from personal experience here, <clears throat> is the one where we don't have a dinner plan for the entire week and we end up eating out three times Bingo. this week. Not like we all go sit down to a nice dinner like I get a text, hey, on your way home, grab some dinner, and I you know, I, six people at home, so I, we've got four kids. So that means, uh, you know, $80 on a meal. Wasn't that great? Whatever it is, the the, uh, the bread got soggy on the way home in the styrofoam container, and everybody ate it standing around the kitchen island instead of having a nice family dinner. And it was three, four times the amount 
it could have been for a decent dinner where we were all sitting around having a meal together because why we did not plan. And that, I mean, that's always kind of plagued us a lot less so since financial peace university, but it still does from time to time. There's just, there's too much going on at times and we need to be, we need to be better at planning. So if you can have a strategy for how you're going to use your money and I implore everybody to get into Dave Ramsey's financial peace university I don't know what it costs. I have no idea. Although we are uh, at this location, we are looking at, at setting something up so all of our employees can go through it. But whatever the cost is, if you're not here, it's very worthwhile to go through that. Get a little bit better grip on your on your cash, on your income. And the biggest raise you can possibly get from just where you're at now to, to you know, a month from now is stop spending money on stuff that doesn't matter to you. That's a massive raise. <clears throat> yeah. So whether it's food or tools or Amazon or whatever it is that is, uh, you know, those expenditures that seem to disappear and make that checking account a little bit lower than it was at the beginning of the week. Uh, those are things that you need to be thinking about. And that's really the emphasis behind the podcast this week as we touch on your finances. Again, emphasis on your finances. So many times we're talking about other people's finances, financing, sales, revenue, and those types of things. But this is your actual take-home pay. And Ramsey and the the team that they have there have such great insight in how to maximize every dollar that you're bringing home that this is going to be a really valuable listen for you. Yeah, not even just maximize. To me, it's so much more, it's so much more important to have a plan that uh, I can hear Ramsey saying it with his accent that, a budget is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. Ooh, that was <laughs> I good. I love that. I love that quote, and I can hear it rattling around in my head since since 2011 or whatever, whatever year that was. It's it's just having a plan and a strategy. It's just knowing that this is going to go here, this is going to go here, this is going into savings, this is going to be invested, this is going into the emergency fund. Instead of spend, 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 spend. Look at the checking account. Oh crap. I need that paycheck to come a couple days early. Yeah, right. Yeah, so if that's where you find yourself uh, not knowing where your money is going or getting halfway through the week and wishing that payday was coming a little bit earlier, this podcast is for you. Or if you are already feeling like you're on track with your finances, but man, you could sure use a little bit of tune up here and there. This podcast is also for you. You're going to find things that I believe are going to be relevant to you no matter what your financial situation. So without further ado, we're going to bring in our guest, George Camel. Our guest today is George Camel. He hosts the Fine Print Podcast as well as the Entree Leadership Podcast. At the time of this recording, these are the two most popular business podcasts on Apple. He also hosts Ramsey live events across the country. Previously, George was the host of the Dave Ramsey Show video channel as well as Borrowed Future Podcast, which explored the student loan debt crisis in America. He served on Ramsey team for eight years, and today he's bringing all of that knowledge to us on our show. George, it is good to have you on, man. Welcome. Hey, it's so good to be here. Yeah, awesome. We're super excited to have you on today, and this is really a uh, a different uh, podcast, a different subject for us as we kind of branch into something that's not necessarily specific to the trades, but really has so many applications, not only because we're all humans and we all have money, but uh, we're, we're all looking for ways to work our way out of our current job. Like we're looking for ways to elevate. Everybody's doing that. 
And so I think one of those things there is really figuring out the money side of things, not necessarily from a revenue production, uh, but from a savings standpoint and what to do with it after you've already made it. So that's why we wanted to bring you on. I love that. And you're so right. You've got to take control of your income. Uh, and it's not about how much you make. It's what you do with that money coming in. So it's such an important topic. Absolutely. We'd like to learn a little bit about our guests as they come onto our podcast. So could you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into what you're doing now? Yeah, I've been on the Ramsey team now for eight years, and I feel like this place raised me. I started as an intern and a temp, and I worked uh, kind of my way through the marketing department because I always loved reaching people creatively with a message. And uh, they found out I've got some, some chops on stage and really being out front. And so I moved into a host role um, about four years ago, and that has uh, spiraled now into a full-blown personality role where I get to, you know, teach and speak and write and really spread this message um, and help these next generations learn how to handle their money and learn how to have the right voices uh, speaking into their life when it comes to their finances. Wow, that sounds like a really unique opportunity, not only for you, but to experience that growth within the same organization. Yeah, when I started, we, we had 330 team members, and we just celebrated 1,000. And so this Whoa. place has grown exponentially. We're, we've been so blessed. And honestly, I started following uh, this plan, this money plan, when I started here eight years ago, and it changed my life. I kind of came in going, yeah, I've, I've heard of this Dave Ramsey guy. This is a cool organization. What I didn't know is how the plan would affect me and my personal finances. And so I started doing this stuff to a T. And I started paying off my debt. And I started having that savings. And I saw the way it changed my perspective on money. I saw the way it changed my cynicism and anxiety. Uh, and it totally changed my life today. That's great. Yeah, I'm just that's... curious, do uh, Ramsey employees, do they have to submit all their personal financial records every year to make sure you're, you know, you're doing it like you're supposed to? <laughs> No, there's, there's no audit. Uh, we don't go through your wallet to see if you've got a credit card. We're not checking your bank statements. <laughs> right. uh, there's not that level of big brother. Do you uh, have to wear, you know, you have, we, is there like a charm number that you have to wear around your neck to show what baby step you're on or anything <laughs> like that? <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that. We, we started an initiative this year called Walk the Talk, where we're really wanting our own team to go through Financial Peace University to see that life change. And so we set a huge goal for our team this year to have a $25 million turnaround with those 1,000 team members. That's, that's debt paid off, that's dollars saved, the whole thing. And so it's funny you say that because we actually created pins that have baby steps on them, and you can level up <laughs> as you move through the baby steps and wear the pins. So, yeah, in a sense, we do that, but it's in a much cooler way than you're thinking. Hey, maybe, I love the uh, I love to do marketing for you. I don't know. Just, the, the level up part is yeah. great. It's a, It shows how many uh, children of the 70s and 80s you have working there. <laughs> Yeah, we're getting younger by the day. I, I, you know, I started the charge there. I'm now 32 years old, and our organization is definitely, we're, you know, if you look at the creative teams, the marketing teams, they definitely are skewing in, in their 20s and 30s now, which is amazing. Oof. Yeah, people people born after 2000. Yikes. That's, that's enough of all that. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird <laughs> that we can have people working here now. They are born I'll, after the year 2000. I was just talking to our, uh, booking some flights for our, our HR director and myself and Nate here and uh, noticed her birthday and just thought, wow, I specifically remember that year. <laughs> <laughs> Not fun. Right, yeah, sure. so, so part of the reason we wanted to have you on is I myself went through Financial Peace University and, and it had a major impact on me. 
And then we recently interviewed one of our, well, actually our um, technical trainer, plumber here locally. <clears throat> and I don't know, he might have spent half of that episode talking about, the, the episode was based on organization. And he's one of the most organized people I've ever met. And he probably spent at least a third of that episode talking about Financial Peace University and what he what it did for him and his wife, the major financial turnaround they had, and exactly what you just said, the level of anxiety and stress that it took out of their lives, and then the amount of like things they paid off and savings they have. And I was thinking about it later after we talked about it, about the fact that having this impact on somebody's finances and, you know, our, our, uh, service techs who, who we appreciate greatly here and, and across the country doing something like that for a family is, is almost like giving, giving that husband and wife another job. I mean, it's not, not in terms of work, but in terms of pay, it's a, it's a whole other income when you can help a family cut out interest payments and stop spending money frivolously and start really growing their savings. It's it's literally like a whole other income without actually having to do any more work and removing stress from their lives. So, I mean, you we could give somebody a raise and not do as much for them as we would do if they would just listen to this episode and take it very seriously. Oh, absolutely, and that's what it's all about. It's creating margin to where you go. Oh, I wasn't broke. I was just living on way more than I make. And once I took control of that, I realized I could have $1,000 of my money freed up to do the things that I want to do and prepare for emergencies and save for trips or a, a car or those kinds of things. And uh, it's amazing once you follow these steps, it changes your habits with money and it changes your outlook on the future. Yeah, absolutely. So we want to jump into it here, George. And uh, I guess, where do we start uh, You know, to give you kind of to set us up here? Uh, you're talking to mostly people in the home services industry. This is plumbing, heating, and air conditioning, and electrical. Primarily technicians, but also office people, customer service people, dispatchers, and the like. And and uh, our our mothers probably. Uh, yeah, I had to guess. Yeah, you know, got to send it out to mom. Uh, but uh, I would say, you know, it's it's a growing <laughs> trade, uh, and increasingly we have. Uh, salaries are increasing because of the growing trade. You know, I'm sure you're aware of the trade gap and, and how not a lot of people are going into the trades. And so we're trying to get people into them. And then when we get them in, we want to keep them in. And part of that is helping them understand like, okay, now you're making money. You're making probably good money if you're in the trades. Now what to do with it? So where do we start, George? Yeah. And like you said, we are, we are huge fans of the trades, especially with the student loan crisis that we're seeing. Yeah. We did a podcast series called borrowed future where we really unpack the student loan crisis in America. And one of the biggest things we tell people is, Hey, there's options out there. You can go into the trades and you can make great money and you can do it very affordably and not go to a college and leave with a $200,000 bill. And so we're huge fans of, of your industry of the trades in general. Uh, we had Mike Rowe on the podcast to talk about that and nice. it was just fantastic. So let's talk the money side. Let's go with your income. We want you to take full control of it. We believe that anyone can take control of it, but it starts with a mindset shift. And you have to go, hey, the way I've been doing it hasn't been working. So I'm going to try someone else's plan. And if you're a stubborn kind of personality, uh, it can be tougher because you go, you know what? I don't want to follow someone else's plan. I'm going to do it my way. But you have to look up and go, where has my way gotten me? 
it's gotten me here. And if you want to get somewhere else, you want to go further, you've got to do things differently than you've done. And once you've agreed to do that, then, then you can get on board. Once you've realized, you know what, debt is not my friend, debt is not a tool, debt exists to keep me broke and make other people rich. And until you believe that, this plan is not going to work. Hmm. So if you're on board with that, we've got seven baby steps that are a proven plan. And I know that because millions of people have done it. I've done it. I meet people every day who show up uh, on the Ramsey show, do their debt-free scream on a, on a stage we've got here, and they share inspiring stories about how they followed these steps and started to win with money and saw the progress and started to see a different financial future. So you guys ready to walk through these? Well, yeah, yes, before we jump into that, George, I, I just want to preface it a little bit and say, you know, some of our, our listeners might be like, uh, okay, yeah, this guy's going to be talking all about budgeting and stuff like that. I've tried that. That doesn't work for me. Or like, I'm, I'm not financially geared like that. You know, I just, money comes in, money goes out. I know what I'm doing. What do you say to somebody who's, who's not so inclined to budgets or not inclined to like the paperwork and the balancing the checkbook side of things that that's not into their DNA? You know, how do we get them interested here? Yeah, that's a great question. And a lot of people aren't naturally, you know, get, getting super pumped about sitting inside of an Excel, an Excel spreadsheet. Uh, so what I would tell them is that the budget isn't there to restrict them. It is there to give them freedom. And I want them to see the budget as their friend and to realize that once you have a plan for your money, it doesn't have to control you anymore. You get to call the shots. And so we actually created an incredible budgeting tool, an app called Every Dollar. Um, it's completely free. You can jump onto everydollar.com. You can search for it in your app store. And it actually makes budgeting easy. It makes it fun. And in less than 10 minutes, you can have a plan for your money. And making it is one thing. Sticking to it is the harder part, right? Because that's right. where behavior change comes in and habits. And you're going, you know what? I said I was only going to spend $400 on groceries this month, which means I can't spend any more than that if I want to hit my goals. Okay. And so... I want people to see budgeting as an ally here and as a tool they're going to use uh, for the rest of their life to get them through these steps so that they can build wealth and be outrageously generous. Absolutely. All right. So listeners out there, you have no excuse. Let's hit it, George. Step number one. So baby step number one is to save $1,000 for a starter emergency fund. Now, I said starter because some people out there listening, they're going, $1,000? Man, the pandemic, did, were you there? $1,000 isn't <laughs> going to get me very far. Here's yeah. what that $1,000 does. Everyone has $1,000 coming in every month. Regardless of your income, you have that coming in. And so we want a quick win so that you can feel the progress. And more importantly, you can have a buffer between you and life's little emergency. And so that's what this is. This is saying, hey, we're gonna, let's say you have $10,000 in your bank account right now, but you have $20,000 in debt. But what we would tell you is to take nine of that 10000 and throw it towards the debt and save that $1,000 in that starter emergency fund. And I'll explain why here when we get to baby step two. But that's, that's the first step. And a lot of people, you know, for some people, it's really easy. It's the easiest step because it's only $1,000. But for a lot of people, it's the hardest step because this is the part of the plan where you decide if you're a financial genius who's broke or if you're going to submit yourself to a proven plan, to someone else's plan. Okay. So George, is that literally a thousand dollars cash? Is that in the bank? Uh, you know, what does that practically look like? Yeah, that is a thousand dollars in liquid savings. So we want you to put that in a savings account, stash it away and make sure that you only use it for emergencies. That means it's unexpected. It's necessary. It's urgent. This isn't, Oh, there was a, there was a sale at 
Dick's Sporting Goods and I needed some new gear. Uh, that's not what we're talking about. Or, oh, you know what? Didn't save up enough for Christmas presents. Time to dig into that fund. This is, hey, I got a flat tire. Uh, it's, it's life stuff that you need to uh, survive with your four walls. And we talk about, you know, food, utilities, shelter, transportation. Those are really the important things you need to survive. So if you have something impacting one of those, you dig into that fund. Uh, to cover a real emergency. Nice. Now, you said that most people can generally accomplish this one. Uh, do you run up against anybody who says, oh, man, I'm, I'm not sure I can even pull that off? You know, we do have those people who say, I don't know, I've never saved up a $1,000. That's a lot of money for me. I've never seen that um, sitting there in my bank account because it's disappearing every month. And so there's a lot of ways that you can get there, and we recommend you know, selling stuff you have around the house that's been sitting there that you thought was a good idea at the time and now it's collecting mm. dust. Yeah, or maybe yeah. you take up a side hustle. Maybe you deliver pizzas or drive for Uber or, you know, especially in the trades, there's always opportunity. Goodness gracious. Jump into your neighborhood Facebook group and say, hey, I'm in this industry. If anyone needs help with this stuff, you know, here's my rate. I'd be happy to help. Uh, we, I see that all the time in my own neighborhood Facebook group. And so there's all kinds of ways that you can make money. There's also flashing expenses. Hey, maybe I can cut that really expensive gym membership and go to Planet Fitness for 10 bucks for now or run around my neighborhood. Maybe I can <laughs> cut out Netflix and Spotify and Hulu for three months to get this thing saved up. And so there's lots of ways. It just depends on what you're willing to sacrifice and what's going to uh, help you long term stay stick with this plan. And that's really what it came back to at the beginning. You said, like, you know, what you've been deciding, how you've been living has gotten you to this point, And do you want to go farther? That's that discipline you were talking about. Exactly. And you, you've got to want it. We, we tell people that usually this stuff happens because they have this never again moment. They have this I've had it moment where you get a little bit angry and you realize, you know what, I don't want to live the way I've been living. The stress, the anxiety isn't worth it. I work too hard to be broke. And I know the people in your industry are some of the hardest working people out there. And so if you're feeling that pain where you're going, you're right. I do work too hard to be broke. Well, that's a moment that you can take and go, I'm going to use that fuel to get me out of this so I never have to experience it again. And most people can save up that $1,000 in less than 30 days. We're not talking six months with this step. This is a quick win that you're going to use to start to propel you forward. Awesome. Then what? So in baby step two, we've got the $1,000 starter emergency fund, and now we can begin to tackle all of our consumer debt. That means anything except for a mortgage payment uh, using the debt snowball. And the debt snowball is a fascinating method, and it's been proven to be the best and fastest way to pay off debt. And here's what's in interesting about the debt snowball. We list out all of our debts from smallest to largest, regardless of the interest rate. And now, you know, we got some smart people listening. They're going, whoa, whoa, wait. He said ignore the interest rate? Mm. That's right. Ignore the interest rate. Because what we're worried about here is behavior change. We're not here to be mathematicians. Uh, and try to play smarter. If we were smart, we wouldn't have gone into debt in the first place and gone into the red. So once we've listed all of those out, we're going to make minimum payments on all of those debts except for the smallest balance. And on that smallest balance, you are going to attack it with a vengeance, with all of the margin you can muster up from the stuff I've talked about, from selling stuff, from cutting expenses, from budgeting, getting on a plan, uh, from side hustles. You're going to take all the margin you can that's left over and throw it at that smallest debt. And when you do that, that debt is going to disappear very quickly. And once you pay off that debt, guess what you have? More money. You've got more snow to pack into the snowball and roll this thing down the hill. 
And so you begin to do that and move from debt to debt to debt, and you've got more momentum as you keep moving. And all of a sudden, 18 to 24 months, we find most people can get out of their consumer debt. Wow. Yeah, now obviously we wouldn't want to use the $1,000 that we saved in step one, right? No, so that we need to keep that there because what happens if you don't have that $1,000? Well, you have nothing between you and life, you and Murphy. When an emergency pops up, guess where you're going to have to go to pay for that? You're going to have to go back into debt. You're going to have to swipe the credit card. And so what we want is for you to become your own bank, become your own lender, and lend yourself that money and refill it as soon as you can if you have an emergency. And so everything but $1,000 that you have to your name, we are going to use to attack the debt. Remember, this is a starter emergency fund. This is not, this is not forever. In the following step, once we've got our debt paid off, guess what we have back in our life? All of our income. Every single dollar that shows up in our bank stays with us. No. Because we are not paying lenders, we're not paying credit cards, we're not paying car payments. Now, that's great. Now, you did mention uh, leaving the mortgage out. What's the logic behind on that? So the mortgage we put in baby step six. It goes off way later because right now we are concerned with consumer debt with those smaller balances so that we feel the momentum. If you had to pay off your house as a first step, most people would give up. They'd yeah. say, nah, that's too big. I'm not going to pay off $200,000 on my mortgage. Uh, and your house is an asset. And so, you know, it, it's appreciating. It's a good thing to have that if you have it. And if you don't have a house, we're going to talk about that coming up in the step of where that falls into the plan if you're renting right now. Okay. Great. Uh, so save $1,000 emergency fund and then start tackling that consumer debt starting with the smallest amount first. Yeah. And using that debt snowball, we're going to pay that bad boy off. And most people we find can do this in 18 to 24 months. Nice. Okay. Step three. So step three, we have all of our income back in our lives, and that's a great feeling. And we're going to go back to that starter emergency fund, and it's going to be fully funded. So what we want to do here is save three to six months of expenses in a fully funded emergency fund. And this is the point where we have a full buffer between us and life, where you can cover, and this is a perfect example for your industry because I know how much these things cost, you can get a new HVAC unit, right? If it goes out and you need $5,000 to pay for that, You've got that money now sitting in a savings account. And I want this to be liquid. This is not money you're putting into the stock market. This is money that you can access very easily in a savings account or a money market account. And most people can do this part in about six months because you have all of your income back. And, you know, you hear that word three to six months and you think, wow, that's a pretty big range. Why, why is that? Right. Well, we realize that people have different situations. Uh, for your industry, maybe you're on a commission or sales type uh, program where you don't know how much money is coming in every month. Okay. Or maybe you have a one income household and you need to have more closer to six months to make sure if there was a job loss that you guys are covered. So it depends on the stability of your situation, the industry you're, you're in, whether or not you're on salary, uh, those things matter. So you need to decide for yourself what's right for you and your family. Um, and you can split the difference if you want, but we're talking bare bones expenses. We're not talking about three to six months of income. We're saying if you had to go down to brass tacks, what would we need to cover to survive? That's what we're talking about here. And most people can save that up very quickly because they don't have any payments in the world. Yeah. Okay. So just to be clear, we're not moving on to a next step until we accomplish the, the one before it. Is that right? Exactly. So these, these first few steps we're going to do with intensity. We're going to do it with focus. We're going to do them one at a time. Because I don't know if you guys know this, but 
we live in a, in a squirrel brain world where people have lost focus and we're trying to multitask and we don't really get anywhere Right. when we do that. Okay, so we want to save three to six so, months of expenses and you defined expenses as like the absolute essentials. So, you know, if, if you kind of put yourself in one of those uh, apocalypse scenarios where you can't, we're not talking about luxury items and all those types of nice things. We're talking about the things that you would need to actually exist. Yeah. And it goes back to that four walls that I mentioned. What, what do we need to cover the roof over our heads to make sure that we're fed, to make sure that we can get around? We've got, you know, gas money. We can pay our car insurance, all those pieces we need uh, to live. And we can pay all of our bills, right? Our, our light bill, our water bill, um, whatever those pieces may be. This is not, hey, we, you could easily cut your subscription. You could cut the gym membership if you were in a crisis situation. Everyone would go, yeah, absolutely. If I was in a crisis I could cut a lot of expenses out of my life. So most people, three to six months of expenses, they can save this money up in six months. And you already have a thousand to get you started, which is great. Awesome. Okay. Uh, step four. So step four gets interesting because I mentioned that house before, right? If you're, if you're renting right now, you're going, hold on. I'm not hearing where you buy a house. How does that fit into the plan? Well, what we teach is that once you're done with baby step three, you've got that cushion between you and life. You don't have any payments in the world. We teach kind of this baby step 3B, and that is saving up a down payment for a house. So if you're in that boat and you're renting right now and you're going, hey, I want to get into a house, this is where you would do that in the baby step. And so you would aggressively save up that down payment. And uh, you'll hear in baby step four, it gets interesting because we tell you not to invest any money until baby step four. Hmm. Okay. So you're saying that saving up a down payment for a house is actually like in between three and four? Exactly. That's where we would put it. And we want you to do this quickly. I don't want this to take you seven years because I want that compound interest to be working for you in that investing in baby step four. So we teach, hey, you could probably do this. Once you have all of this going on in your life and you've got these baby steps in order, you can save up that down payment in about two years, and we teach you to save up 10% down, if not 20% or more, uh, because it helps you avoid that PMI. And what that is is private mortgage insurance. And it doesn't protect you. It protects the lenders in case you can't pay. And so if you have 20% down or more, you can avoid that payment as part of the mortgage. And the other piece of the puzzle here is the mortgage itself. And we teach that you should get a 15-year fixed-rate mortgage that is no more than 25% of your take-home pay. And take-home pay, we define as after taxes. So not after other things are taken out, but just after taxes are taken out, how much money do you have every month? Divide that by four, and that's where your house payment should be so that you're not what we call house poor, where your house payment is taking up so much of your income that you can't do these other steps and build for the future. So that's the mortgage should be 25% of your monthly income or less. Yeah, exactly. And we see a lot of people, you know, you go to the bank today, although they'll, they'll be happy to give you a half million dollars, right? And so don't, don't let that define how much house you buy. Let it be defined by the formula that I just, that I just gave you, because that's going to allow you to actually do these baby steps. We want a long-term mentality here. Uh, we don't want to do things impulsively and go, Oh, the housing market is so hot. I'm going to get a house today. I'm going to jump into this thing. And next thing you know, if there's a job loss or, hey, I want to save for my kid's college and I want to be investing the right amount. I want to pay my house off. I want to build wealth. Well, you're unable to do that when your house payment is 60% of your take-home pay. 
So George, what if that's already the case? What if I already own a house and I am in the 40 to 60% range of my income or I'm on a 30 year mortgage or a 40 year mortgage, you know, what do I do now? In that case, I would, I would, you'd have to ask some hard questions here and go, are we in the right situation? Do we need to look at refinancing? Does that make sense mathematically to go down to a 15 year and can we afford it if we're already, you know, the 30 year is going to have a lower payment. And so I would tell you, you may have too much house and you may want to look into, hey, do we need to sell this thing and get into something more reasonable because we bid off more than we can chew and we have bigger goals in life uh, than, than buying too much house. And so that's a hard conversation. You've got to look in the mirror and go, was that kind of a mistake? Did we jump into this? Were we pressured into this? Uh, did we bite off more than we can chew with our income? Or, hey, can, is my income going to go up soon where this math actually works out, where we can actually continue these baby steps and continue to feel that progress? So that's a, that's a decision that you've got to make. But I would strongly encourage you to look at where you're at. Start crunching some numbers and go, oh, my God, I did not realize that 50% of my income was going towards the mortgage payment. Right. Yeah, well, in today's housing market, it surely is easy to bite off more than you can chew. I mean, houses are just absolutely skyrocketing right now. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely insane. And so in this market, I would say, hey, let's buy you some patience. Where you go, <laughs> you know what? We're going to wait a year and let this whole thing cool off and let this whole lumber shortage thing fix itself. And we're going to use this time to really get ourselves in a great position and save up a whole bunch of money for that down payment to where maybe we could say, well, we what would it be like to save 25% down on that house, which then lowers our payment? It means we can pay it off sooner than 15 years, which means we can live our life and retire early. And I want people to dream bigger than just getting a house. I want them to think about their future. I want them to think about what their dreams are when they're 45, 55, 65. Where do they want to be? And I think when you do that, you start making decisions that are more long-term and less short-term and impulsive. Yeah, what's the going rate on patients right now, George? <laughs> Listen, if, if I could buy it, I would buy it in bucketfuls because <laughs> the world is crazy right now and there's a lot of impatience out there. And if you read the headlines and you read the news, it will spin you out of control. So I try to, uh, to limit my, uh, my headlines, limit the social media intake, because if you do that, you start to compare, you start to freak out, it starts to uh, increase your anxiety. And if you zoom out and you just go, oh, my life's not that bad. My life doesn't suck. I was just reading a lot of headlines and comparing myself to, to all my friends on social media. So I want to encourage people to run their own race and define their own goals, define their own dreams, and live life on their terms. Awesome. Okay, so we've saved $1,000 in our emergency fund. We've tackled all of our consumer debt, knocked that out of the park. Then we built up our uh, expense saving fund to three to six months of our regular expenses. And if we, haven't, if we don't have a house, we've looked to gain that down payment, save that down. Or if we do have a house... Uh, we're either refinancing it or buying a house at the 25% of our income on the month at a 15-year mortgage. Is that right so far? Yeah, that sounds great. You've nailed it. And if you do have a house payment that's reasonable, you're you're moving on in these baby steps to baby step four. But I want to tell you, as you were saying all that, I kind of had a sigh of relief. I was like, man, doesn't that sound nice? Yeah, absolutely. Having an emergency fund, having no payments. I mean, when you see the student loan crisis and you see these people uh, – Paying these student loans every month, there's anger. You're going, wait, they're stealing my money that I'm worked so hard for. And I want people to feel that relief or get excited about it and dream about it. Of What would it be like one day when all my hard work, I get to see and it gets to stay with me and I get to call the shots and I get to do things on my terms. 
Freedom. So I love that feeling. Once you get to baby step four, we are building for the future and we're not paying for the past. Well, let's hear it. So baby step four is where we tell you to invest 15% of your household income into retirement. And we've got specific ways we want you to do this, but there's a very good reason why it's 15% and not more than that and not less than that. You're like, why 15% exactly? Well, the reason we tell you to do 15% is because we want you to have room to continue with the other steps. And so if you were investing 30%, you might not have as much margin to do the next step. And so the next steps are actually happening kind of simultaneously depending on your stage of life. So we tell you to invest 15% of your household income into retirement. And what we love is the word Roth. I want you to get excited when you hear the word Roth, whether it's a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k. So explain the the difference there. It's really just a tax treatment. Yeah, so with a normal 401k, you're using your after, uh, your, your before-tax dollars to invest. And once you pull that money out in 20, 30, 40 years, you're going to get taxed on it by Uncle Sam. They're going to take their share. But with a Roth 401k or a Roth IRA, you're using your after-tax dollars to invest. And then when you pull that money out, it's completely tax-free. So it's growing tax-free. The growth is tax-free. And when you pull that money out, it's completely tax-free. So let's say... You mind if I ask you a question there? If you have a million dollars, you can pull it out. Yeah. What, what about the the uh, implications of the interest grown on that tax throughout the years um, on the pre-tax money, and then you only pay tax on the total gained money? Yeah, so you're going to pay taxes on the gains of that money. Uh, but with the Roth, you're not paying taxes on any of it because you basically prepaid the tax when you put the money into the account. So all of that interest is grown without tax. Exactly. And that's very exciting. So if, if the account balance shows $2 million in that Roth 401k, guess how much money you get to have? $2 million. Right. And so we, we love Roth. We're big fans of that. Um, and whether it's a Roth IRA, depending on your field, if you have a 401k through your workplace, uh, especially Roth, we have that at Ramsey. It's a great way to invest all 15% there. But if you don't, uh, you can do a kind of a mix and match. So if you, if you have a match, some companies offer a match in their 401k, you can um, put in up to the match. So let's say it's 4%. And then we want you to move to a Roth IRA where you fully fund it, which the limit this year is $6,000. And if there's money left over, when you calculate your 15% of that household income, you can go back to the 401k and finish out funding there. But we want it to add up to 15%. And it doesn't, if you're, if you're married, it's 15% of your household income. So, if, you know, people ask, well, do I invest 15 and my wife invests 15? Or do I invest seven and she, it's 15 for you, 15 for her, because that adds up to 15 total of your household income. Okay. Now, I kind of questioning here, George. So, you know, I've, I've heard uh, even back when I was like in school that, Hey man, if you just take $20 and invest that into a 401k a month, you know, you become a millionaire so much faster and all this stuff. So everybody was encouraging you to start, start saving and investing into your retirement early. If I'm walking through some of these steps, I mean, it could be years and years until I'm actually investing into my retirement. Um, how does that work out and what's the logic behind that? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's a question that we get a lot because people go, well, hold on, why do you want me to hold off on investing when you're telling me that investing early is the path. And the reason is this. Most people aren't investing 15% because they don't have 15% to give 
because they're in debt. And so people say, well, I'm investing 4% and I've got the match and I don't want to lose that. That's free money. And what's interesting is that if you pause that and you said, hey, I'm not going to invest for these two years as I get out of debt aggressively. Number one, it's going to fuel you to get out of debt faster so that you can get back to investing and have your money grow for you. But second, guess what happens when you're out of debt and you go back to investing? We're not investing 4% anymore. We're investing 15% because we've created so much margin. And so when you start to do the math, you go, okay, if I had 4% and another 4%, another 4% versus zero, zero for those two years, and then 15, well, guess what? The math works out in our favor. And that 15% for the rest of your life that you're investing now is going to add up to way more than if you kept that 4% match with a tight fist because you didn't want to do this plan. All right. And the logic of putting it into a Roth as opposed to any other type of investment? Yeah, and it's, it's because of the tax treatment. We want your money to grow tax-free um, so that, you know, Uncle Sam doesn't get their hands on it on the back end because we don't know what life's going to be like in 40 years. We don't know what the taxes are going to be. Um, we don't know what tax bracket you're going to be in. And so we find it uh, to be the most beneficial to invest in those Roth options if you have them. Well, it's safe to say that the taxes will be higher. <laughs> yeah, that's, and that is the thing. Most economists would say the chances are that it will be higher over time. And so the Roth is a great option. And we don't want you, you know, people here investing and they think, okay, single stocks. I'm going to invest in Apple and Tesla. And we want you to invest in non-single stocks. We want you to invest in mutual funds. And what that is, it's a pool of money with a whole bunch of stocks, which makes it a whole lot less risky. We don't want all of your eggs in one basket where one thing happens with Elon Musk and all of a sudden your, your Tesla shares are now worth half of what they were and your retirement is worth half of what it was. Or your Dogecoin. So we want you to invest <laughs> in Dogecoin. Oh, my goodness. I mean, if you've been following the news, this stuff is getting insane with the cryptocurrency. So I tell people if you follow the trends, you will fall for the trap. And when it comes to crypto and all these hot get-rich-quick type schemes, a lot of people are losing a lot of money very quickly because they're jumping into things without understanding them. They're jumping into things that are really volatile. And we found that a good growth stock mutual fund that's diversified, uh, you know, across four different categories is what will cause you to be a millionaire. It's the most surefire way to get there. Now, it won't happen tomorrow, uh, but you're not going to lose a million dollars tomorrow like you would playing the, the roulette wheel of cryptocurrency. All right. Uh, where do we go from here, George? So once we've got that spinning plate, we've got the 15% of our household income going into retirement, whether that's a 401k or an IRA, then we can move on to saving for our children's college funds. And when you think about this, they go, wait, shouldn't I save for my kid's college first? And we tell people it's like being on an airplane. You've got to put your own mask on first. We've got to make sure that you're taken care of before the children's college fund is taken care of. Because as you guys know, there's lots of options when it comes to college and your kid uh, can fend for themselves when it comes to that. What we don't want is your kids having to cover your life when you're older because you didn't prepare for the future. And now they're dealing with their lives and trying to fund you know, your, your nursing home or your health care costs or they're living with you because you didn't plan. And so uh, we want you to save for your children's college fund. There's some great options out there like a 529 plan or an ESA, an education savings account. Uh, and those are great ways to save for your kids' college tax-free. Just like that Roth IRA I talked about earlier, when you put money into that, it's going to grow tax-free and you can pull that money out tax-free as long as it's for educational expenses. 
Now, George, I would say that the majority of the trades, if I'm just going to take a step, uh, a stab at it here, average age is probably in the 40s um, with some significant gaps, you know, below that. So if I'm in my 40s and my kids are probably in their early teens or, you know, coming up on that, and I'm looking at these plans and I'm saying, well, I think they're going to be looking at college before I'm even at that step. Uh, how do I, where do I go? What do I do with that? You know, I mean, Hey, sorry, kids, uh, don't expect for any money from mom and dad. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. A lot of people find themselves there where they say, Hey, my kid's 16 and I don't, there, there's not going to be any money for him. I'm just getting started on this plan. That's okay. I don't want you to beat yourself up. You're not a bad parent. You need to understand that. Second, what you need to do is have an honest conversation with your kid. That is the biggest thing. It's, it's being having an open line of communication and talking to your kid and going, hey, here's where we're at for college. And tell and them to get into to the trades. Yeah, yes, go into a trade. It's a, great, it's a great way to avoid the student loan crisis and go, oh, my gosh, I'm $75,000 in debt. Uh, but one of the biggest things is saying, hey, there's options out there. They can work while they're in school. We found that if you're working while you're in school up to 20 hours a week, you actually get a higher GPA hmm. because you're more disciplined. You're not... People go, well, they, you know, junior needs time to study. Junior's not studying. Junior's having a social life. But when you're going to your part-time job instead, now you're really having the discipline to look at your schedule and go, okay, I got to make sure I get that I study for the test, I get that homework done, and I go to that part-time job. And if you do that, piled with scholarships, which is there's such a there's such a gap with the amount of scholarship money out there and the amount of people applying for it. And people think, well, it's like the lottery. I'm just going to apply and hope. If you make it a part-time job and you really start going hard at these scholarships while you're in high school and then keep it up while you're in college, we found that a lot of people can get this free money through scholarships and grants that can help them pay for their college expenses. And another thing is college choice, right? If, if you know you don't have money for college, let's not go to an Ivy League school that's $100,000 a year. Maybe we're going to the community college in our town where the credits are a lot cheaper and we're doing our prerequisites anyways, so the classes really don't matter. And then after those two years, we can decide where we're at financially and go, okay, we can transfer into uh, you know, a four-year college and finish this out and get our degree. And I want that education to, be, to match the goal. And so I don't want people getting a degree for something they don't need a degree for. And we see people going to school because their parents went there or because of the football team or the landscaping or the facilities or the program. I want you to go because you need a degree to get XYZ job. So dream with your kids. Talk about this with them. Say, hey, what do you want to do? And what are all the options to get there? And start doing this kind of research. And I guarantee that you guys can come up with a plan that works for both of you, that helps them go to school debt-free. And we believe it's entirely possible. And I've talked to so many people who have done it. Now, George, if somebody is looking at that step, and you're encouraging them to put some money away for their children's college, would you recommend looking at a 529 plan or would you recommend just putting in that in, into another type of savings fund in case they opt to go more of the trades route or just not attend any type of uh, secondary school? You know, it, whether or not you do the 529 or the ESA, uh, wherever you save, you can use that money for anyone's education expenses in your family. So it doesn't have to be that child. You can then transfer it to another child or a grandchild, or maybe you want to go back to school or someone in the family. And so it's not wasted money. 
And there is a worst case scenario where you could pull the money out, but that is something we don't recommend doing because of fees and penalties that come with that. And that money will then be taxed if it's not used for education expenses. Right. So that is a worst case scenario, but it works for room and board or the laptop that you need for college. There's so many things that it can go towards um, that will help set your kid up for success. And so most people are going to take some sort of route to go in the education space, whether it's a trade or a traditional four-year university. And so we want to get you guys as prepared as possible. And, you know, if you put $200 in every year uh, when your kid's young, you could easily have, you know, $100,000 in that account by the time they're graduating uh, high school if you start early and without having to put $100,000 in. You maybe put $35,000 in or thirty in over the course of that time. And it's grown exponentially thanks to compound interest. Yeah. Now, was there a a particular percentage or dollar amount that goes along with that step or just generally, hey, whatever you think fits? Yeah, it's not a one size fits all plan. So there's not a certain number or percentage we recommend here. Uh, It starts with that conversation with your kid early on. And the sooner you guys can figure out what that picture looks like, whether that's a community college, a trade school, a four year university, you'll kind of have a picture in your mind of how much to save. You can sit down with a financial advisor as you um, open these accounts and go, hey, help us calculate what this is going to look like and how much we need to be saving to get there. And once you do that, you'll probably have a good picture in your head of what this looks like. But there isn't a one-size-fits-all number. Okay. All right, George, I think we're on to baby step number six. All right, we are rolling. This is exciting. In baby step six, we are paying off the home early. Don't you like the sound of that? True. That's a baby step, huh? (laughs) That's wild. Yes. Yeah. Now we've worked our way up here. And like you guys said, we were talking a lot about the home stuff earlier and the mortgage stuff. And this is where you can take that 15 year. If you've done things our way, you're on a 15 year fixed rate mortgage. We found that most people can pay this off in 10 years or less. If you follow this plan and, you know, looking out there, I even have family members and it's sad to see, but they have 30 year mortgages. And they've lived there for 33 years because they've taken out the HELOC and they're still paying on the same mortgage they took out 30 years ago. And they're wondering why they can't get ahead and why they can't retire yet. And Mm. so having a paid for home is one of the best financial practices you can do to set yourself up for success long term. Because then in retirement, you've got a big old pile of money because you've been investing that 15%. And you have all the money in the world because you don't have a payment in the world. Yeah, now that sounds awesome. Yeah, and this is a big part of my story. This is a step that I'm on, and I didn't. I started this plan eight years ago when I started here at Ramsey, and I started forty thousand dollars in debt. I had thirty six thousand dollars in student loans. I had four thousand dollars I'd racked up on a credit card, and I truthfully, I thought this is normal. Everyone's got a payment. Everyone's got student loans. Everyone uses credit cards. I'm normal, and I realized. Why do I have all this anxiety? Like, if this is normal, I don't want to be normal anymore. And I wanted, I wanted to do some stuff. I wanted to travel. I wanted to buy some, some music gear. I wanted to do some things. I wanted to retire early. And so once I got on this plan, here I am eight years later, and next year, a year from now, less than a year from now, I'll have a paid-for home. And I never thought that would be possible. I'm not special. I'm not rich. I don't have this crazy income. I just followed this plan to a T. And so it's absolutely incredible to be in my 30s and go, oh, what could I do if I didn't have a house payment and all of my income went to me? How generous could we be? What are the things we could do? What are the trips that we could go on? 
how can we set our kids up for success? And it's such an amazing uh, place to be when you don't have that stress and anxiety in your life. You don't even owe the mortgage company a dollar. Yeah, I think that takes you to step seven. Am, am I right? Absolutely. So four, five, and six, we're really doing those simultaneously because this is long-term, right? You're not investing 15% for two years. You're investing 15% until you are done working. Uh, and once you're at step seven, this is really where you build wealth and give because once you have a paid-for house, there's nowhere further to go. There's no more payments to make. Now you can invest. You know, This is where the, the reins are off, and you're not investing 15%. You're investing whatever you want at this point. And you're probably, we, we call it a baby steps millionaire. When you follow these baby steps, and you have a net worth of $1 million or more. And when you've got a paid-for house and you've invested 15% for years and years and you don't have a payment in the world and you've got that fully funded emergency fund and you've paid for cars, it gets you to that millionaire status really, really quickly. And I meet people in the lobby here at Ramsey Solutions who would never imagine were millionaires because they're not dressing fancy and you know, driving Maseratis. They're everyday working people, just like the people that are listening to this podcast. They're teachers. They're engineers. They are uh, HVAC specialists. And these are people who just work the plan, and they've been diligent, and they've been consistent over a long period of time, and it has caused them to win. I love the fact that you're literally living this out, George, and I think that's so critical for our listeners to understand this isn't just a theory that somebody made up in a room and, you know, occasionally it works. This is literally being played out by thousands and millions of people across the world. Uh, and within Ramsey's own organization, uh, yourself, I mean, you are on your own podcast and you do your own thing and you're literally walking through these steps along the way. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to help even more people with it. Now, you know, in this Ramsey personality role, it's my job to bring this message to even more people. Cause I, you know, I'm not done with millions. I want everyone in America to hear this message. I want us to get to a place where we don't have debt-free screens anymore because we can't find people who are in debt. I mean, that's, imagine what we could do as a country if we had all of the money back in our pockets and we took back control from the lenders and from social media who's telling us we always need more and more and more and we're never enough and we need a bigger house and we need a better car. That's what all marketing is doing. And debt is the most aggressively marketed product in the history of the world. And so what we actually did, uh, we launched a podcast called The Fine Friends that's helping people understand these hidden truths that are keeping them broke. Because I see it every day. I see uh, my friends out there who aren't at Ramsey, and I see them getting screwed by these sketchy companies and these bad products and the slick marketing and all these money myths that we believed where we go, well, you'll always have a car payment. Student loans are just a way of life. you got to do that to get a good job. And so in every episode, I'm doing the research for the listeners, breaking down the latest trends, the latest traps to help save them time and money. And so we're attacking all of these things. We're going, hey, are credit card rewards really worth it? Do you really not need to buy a house right now? Here's how to do it the right way if you're not house poor. What do you need to know about cryptocurrency? What do you need to know about credit scores and buy now, pay later services? So we're really digging into so many topics with this new podcast to help people avoid the trap and actually get ahead, make that progress with their money and remove that anxiety and cynicism they feel about their situation. Absolutely, George. Uh, and I, I know you host the fine print podcast. That's awesome. And definitely check that out. Um, and I really appreciate you walking us through these steps here. What other resources or what other ways can people connect with Ramsey or you or, or any of these types of, uh, you know, 
help assets to get themselves financially secure? That's an awesome question. One of my favorite ways is going through Financial Peace University. There are nine lessons in there, and this is really the thing that got me fired up about this plan because it's a mix of really entertaining, educational, motivational videos. These are not stuffy. They're not dry. They're not boring. They will get you fired up, and they'll help you understand the paradigm shift that you need to make. They'll give you the actionable steps you need, and they will also help you believe that you can do this stuff. That's where a lot of it stems from is you've got to believe that life can be different. And so going through that inside of Ramsey Plus, you can actually go get a free trial right now, RamseyPlus.com, or just text TRIAL to 33789, and we're going to give you a trial to give you this experience for free. And if you go in there, what I want you to do is set up your first every dollar budget. Again, you can do that for free inside of Ramsey Plus, and once you do that, it takes you less than 10 minutes. Do that and watch the very first lesson of Financial Peace University. All of that collectively, it's going to take you about 45 minutes to do that. And I promise you, if you do that stuff, you're going to get fired up. You will get fired up about your financial situation, and you're going to go, man, how quickly could I pay off this debt? You start doing the math, and you start to realize, I could sell some stuff. I could do a little side hustle. I could work a little bit more. I could do this stuff. It's going to mean changing my family tree, changing the legacy that I leave, changing uh, my dreams to where I can actually accomplish them, and they become reality. And that's what I want. I'm sick of seeing people my age held back because of their debt. Uh, and they're going, hey, I can't start a family right now. I can't buy a house. I can't do all this stuff because I'm saddled with all of this debt. And so it takes a paradigm shift. But if you're willing to do that, go through Financial Peace University, sign up for Ramsey Plus. You can do that free trial. And if you're a book reader, The Total Money Makeover is the book that's going to show you this plan. It's going to lay it all out. I learned so much reading this stuff early on in the journey, and I still read it at least once a year to keep me fired up about this plan. Is that book available as an audiobook? Oh, yeah. We got it as an audiobook. You can find all of this stuff at RamseySolutions.com. You can get the book. You can sign up for the free trial. We've got tons of free resources. This is not a sales pitch. The Ramsey Show is out there every day for three hours to keep you all motivated out there, and it's totally free. You can watch the YouTube uh, live stream. You can uh, listen to the podcast. Of course, you can listen on your local radio station. But that's one of the best ways to keep you motivated every day, especially for the listeners out there. They're in the car a lot. This is a great thing to listen to outside of when you're done with this podcast. Go listen to the Ramsey Show podcast every day for motivation. Because you hear these debt-free screens. You hear the pain that people are experiencing when they're in debt. And it just makes you go, I don't want to be a part of this toxic money culture. I want to rise above it and do things differently and live counterculturally so that I can win with money and live life on my terms. That's awesome, George. Hey, we're bringing it in for a landing here. And I just want to ask you one more question. What do you think is the biggest uh, preventer of people actually taking that step? Like, walking into, you know, uh, Ramsey's Solutions there or the Financial Peace University or, or taking that actual step, what do you think is the biggest thing that hinders them? That's such a great question. Truthfully, I think it's themselves, um, their mentality around money, uh, their upbringing around money, it's emotional. And I think a lot of people have a stubbornness around it where they go, you know what, I'm in this stinky diaper, but it's mine. Uh, and you've got to really... Take a moment and go, look in the mirror and go, is this what I want? Am I living the life that I want? Or is it fake? Is it all, you know, a house of cards that's going to come tumbling down? Because even if I swiped my credit card to get it all and I thought it was going to make me happy, why am I unhappy? 
I'm making these payments every month to these lenders and life isn't what I thought it would be. And so I think the biggest hindrance is ourselves. And I think once you've taken a good look in the mirror and you say, you know what, I'm the problem, but the great news is I'm the solution. That's when you can begin to change your life. So good, George. Hey, uh, thank you so much for being on the show today with us. You can find more of George Camel and these resources at the Fine Print Podcast or tune into any of Ramsey's live events across the country. Uh, George is definitely helping out in so many ways there. We really appreciate you being on with us today, George. Thank you so much. Ryan and Nate, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for what you guys do, and thanks for having me on. Great talking to you. Thanks, thanks a lot, George. Hey, man, what a great podcast. We really hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you are encouraged to get your finances in order. So many of the practical advice that George brought to us today can be applied without a whole lot of additional effort. It's just taking the time to sit down and actually look at the plan, have a plan and work it out. And he did such a good job of laying out all those baby steps for you to consider. If you're interested in learning more, check him out on social media or check out Ramsey or any of their solutions on their website. Uh, Also check out Financial Peace University as that is such a good product for you. We hope that this podcast has challenged you not only in your personal gains and goals, but also into helping others get better as well. And that's really why we do this every single week. We want to see you get better. We want to see the trades get better. And we want to see more and more people choosing to wake up every single morning and waste no day.